good morning. Merry Christmas, Anthem Church. Um, super good to be here. Um, I'm super glad you guys are all here. Uh, McKeelan said, yeah, my name is Than Draghi. I'm the Associate Salt Company Director. I've been part-time this fall, and then uh, in six days, I'll be full-time in the spring, working with Chris Kurtz at Mizzou. Um, so yeah, it's super, I'm honored to be here this morning and just be able to uh, just be with you guys and, and to share what I've been learning in Hosea. Um, in case we haven't met, I just want to let you guys know a little bit about me. Uh, I just graduated from Mizzou with my bachelor's in nursing and want to do ministry full-time. So it's, this is a step in the right direction, an incredible opportunity to be here with you guys. Um, yeah, so this morning... And at Anthem Church, the next few weeks, we're going to be going through some of our favorite Bible verses. Uh, That's kind of like the theme of the next few weeks. We just want to have the services totally rooted in truth and on the Word of God. And whoever's going to be teaching will just be teaching from their favorite verses in the Bible. Uh, Yeah, so without, I'm just going to pray. We prayed again. We prayed a few times. I'm going to pray again, and then I'll just jump right in. Uh, Heavenly Father, Thank you so much just for this time and this space that we can be together and just worship you and glorify you. Jesus, we want to be more like you. We come here to know you and to know one another. Jesus, I pray that your spirit would speak this morning, that through me somehow you would be communicating what you want, uh, that you would give me the words to say and help, help our hearts be soft and receptive to what you may want us to hear. And anything that I may say that is not of you, that will be forgotten. Jesus, we want to know you. We want to know you better. We love you. Amen. Uh, So I kind of mentioned it a second ago, but this morning I'll be talking about Hosea. So Hosea is one of the Old Testament books. It's a prophetic book, and it is one of my all-time favorite Bible stories. Uh, I remember when I was a sophomore at Mizzou, I was in a Bible study in Memorial Union in one of the small study rooms, and we had a small group, and and we were supposed to be reading Hosea. And I cracked it open and immediately almost just started crying. I I was crying. I started crying. Uh, The truths in this story have impacted me more than almost any any other story, any other book. The way that it describes the Lord and his love for us has impacted me more profoundly than any other content. It is by far one of my most favorite sections of Scripture, and I am extremely excited to talk about it this morning with you all. So Hosea is an Old Testament prophet, a faithful man of God, chosen by God to lead his people. Uh, it is, it's a story that parallels God's relationship with the nation of Israel. So it's a really short story. And it's designed in a way that if we read a simple story, it can help us understand a more complicated idea. Sometimes us humans, if there's a complicated idea, it helps if there's an easier image to understand. So let me, let me start off reading Hosea 1, 2, and 3. So when the Lord began to speak through Hosea, the Lord said to him, Go marry a promiscuous woman and have children with her. For like an adulterous wife, this land is guilty of unfaithfulness to the Lord. So he married Gomer, daughter of Diblaim, and she conceived and bore him a son. So one of the reasons I love Hosea is that it gives us this beautiful picture of the heart of God and his 
relationship with his people. Hosea and Gomer, his wife Gomer, this prostitute, this, this marriage parallels how the Lord and his nation are. It, it's a beautiful allegory. And throughout this reading, we're going to see words like like and as, these comparative words that compare two different ideas. So we read here, um, go marry a promiscuous woman and have children with her. For like an adulterous wife, this land is guilty of unfaithfulness to the Lord. So immediately he's comparing Gomer, this unfaithful woman, to the nation of Israel, God's chosen people. They are similar ideas, and they're going to be continued to be compared throughout this section. And right off the bat, Hosea obeys. He, he, go, he goes and finds this woman, Gomer, and he marries her. And I try and, I try and imagine what this may be like. This righteous man, this prophet, Hosea, and I don't even know how. It doesn't talk about how they met, but it was probably an interesting time. I don't know if he was just walking around and met this woman and just took her out to coffee and they started dating, or if he actually had to like walk into some sketchy parts of town and maybe buy her for a few hours and just take her out to coffee instead of, you know, like other stuff. I don't, I don't know. It doesn't really say, but I think it's, it's interesting and um, probably wasn't comfortable. It probably wasn't very fun for Hosea to be faithful like this. But he goes and marries this promiscuous woman, Gomer. And right off the bat, this is another parallel with God and his people. So God and Abraham made this covenant. They promised to be faithful to one another. Abraham said, I will worship no other gods before you. And God said, I will be your God. I will deliver you. You are my people. Just like Hosea and Gomer got married, this covenant, I'm your man, I'm your woman. I want to be faithful to only you, nothing else. I promise. They were married. This is just this connection, just like, just like God made with Abraham. So in their marriage, for a little bit of time, they have three kids. Things are going well. So Gomer conceives and has three kids, Jezreel, Lo-Ruhamah, and Lo-Ami. And these names are significant. And they actually are not good names. They're pretty unfortunate names. And they indicate the anger and the wrath of God from this unfaithful woman. And remember, it's an allegory. So the name Jezreel is the name of a city, and it also means to plant, but it's basically the Lord's promise to destroy Israel. Because of Gomer's unfaithfulness, the Lord is angry, and he's so... Verse, chapter 2 in Hosea is pretty, it's pretty descriptive of how God wants to destroy Israel. He's so hurt and so angry and frustrated, and he's promising to wipe them out and put thorn bushes everywhere and just destroy them. Jezreel, that's the firstborn, the son the Lord's anger, he says, name him Jezreel, for I promise that I will destroy Israel in my anger. The next child, a daughter named Lo-Ruhamah, which means not loved. And this seems so counterintuitive, right? God is supposed to be the God of love, but in his anger, he says, no, 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 you are, you are not loved. I'm withholding this from you. You are, you are unfaithful to me. You've not been keeping my promises, not loved. And then the last child, a daughter named Lo-Ami, which means not my people. I don't know why, but this one kind of gets me the most. Uh, he's saying, name your last child, Loami, not my people. You are not my people, and I am not your God, he says. I'm so frustrated, I'm going to wipe you out. There's no, no room for error in reading this. He wants to destroy Israel. 
So Hosea and Gomer have these three kids. She's unfaithful. It's a hard time. And after, amount of, after a certain amount of time, it doesn't really say, Gomer, this promiscuous, adulterous, unfaithful woman, decides to leave her loving husband for her old ways. She leaves him. She moves out. She leaves the kids, and she says, I'm going to go back to what I know, what's comfortable, what's good. And she says, yeah, these old, the old ways, these men would provide for me barley and wheat and fine things, olive oil, silver, joy, new wineskins, peace, control, things that, things that she thinks she's getting from these other men. And so she leaves. Gomer leaves this beautiful relationship for the world, this cold, hard world. She leaves her loving husband for some second-rate intimacy. She leaves adequate provision for isolation without sincerity. She left this good thing for what she thought was going to be better for her. She thought, maybe I can have a little control, a little, a little familiarity. I'm leaving this. I know what's better. I can't do this. And then in Hosea chapter 2, Hosea writes from the perspective of God. He's speaking God's words. And this is where the story begins to get really good. So I think it'll be up on the slide. Let's read this together. It's a long section. It is a beautiful portion of poetry. This is one of my favorite sections. I was getting emotional reading it last night. This is one of the most beautiful portrayals of the heart of God. He desires redemption. He desires unity. We've heard him. We've betrayed him. We've chosen other things. We've broken our promise. And this is what he says. After, after his frustration, he names these three kids horrible things. Not my people, not loved. I'm going to wipe you out, these promises. But let's read chapter 2. This is redemption. This is good. Uh, verse 14, chapter 2. Therefore, I am now going to allure her. I will lead her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. So this is God talking about Israel. He calls her a her. Just like, just like the church in Christ, the church is the bridegroom of Christ, the her. He's speaking affectionately about his church, his people. There I will give her back her vineyards, and I will make the valley of Achor a door of hope. There she will respond, as in the days of her youth, as in the day that she came up out of Egypt. In that day, declares the Lord, you will call me my husband. You will no longer call me my master. I will remove the names of the Baals from her lips. No longer will their names be invoked. In that day, I will make a covenant for them with the beasts of the field and the birds in the sky and the creatures that move along the ground. Bow and sword and battle I will abolish from the land so that all may lie down in safety. The opposite of destruction, right? I will betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you in righteousness and justice, in love and compassion. I will betroth you in faithfulness, and you will acknowledge the Lord. In that day, I will respond, declares the Lord. I will open up the skies, and they will respond to the earth. And the earth will respond to the grain, and the new wine, and the olive oil. And they will respond to Jezreel. I will plant her for myself in the land. And this is, this is one of my favorite parts. Verse 23 right here. It totally redeems all, all the, the shame and unfaithfulness of Gomer right here. I will plant her for myself in the land. I will show my love to the one I called not my loved one. 
I will say to those called, not my people, you are my people. And they will say, you are my God. This beautiful poetry is showing the heart of the Lord. He wants to be united. He wants to be with us. He desires relationship with us. Even though we push him away, every time we push him away, this is his response. I will show love to the one I called not my loved one. And I will say to those called not my people, you are my people. So this is the Lord's response. And he tells Hosea to do the same. In chapter 3, verse 1, he says, The Lord said to me, Go, show your love to your wife again, though she is loved by another man and is an adulteress. Love her as the Lord loves the Israelites, though they turn to other gods and love the sacred raisin cakes. Wow. Go, show your love to your wife again, though she is loved by another. I can't imagine. From God's perspective, it seems doable. He's God. Yeah, forgive me. I've sinned, forgive me. No big deal. But for Hosea, this man, man of flesh, go love your wife again. She left you, she spit in your face, and now she's with another man. God says, go. Love your wife again. She's with another man. As we speak, go, find your wife. Buy her back. I'm, I'm thinking of the next section. I'm getting emotional. I'm sorry. And it, it also is paralleling beautifully. He says, as. Love her as the Lord loves the Israelites. It's, it's beautiful. Hosea and Gomer is like God and Israel. I'm choosing to forgive the Israelites, and I want to love them and pursue them. I want unity. I want this beautiful marriage with the church. Love her as the Lord loves the Israelites. The Lord is so moved to compassion and empathy and affection to his people, and he tells Hosea to do the same. And as Hosea is being obedient, I can't imagine the scene of Hosea being in his bedroom, and the Lord says, go, find your wife. She's being loved by another man. Go buy her back. And Hosea, he's in his room, and the three kids are running around, and he says, all right, yes, Lord. And he gets up, and he's walking around, walking around the city, the streets, asking people, have you seen my wife? Have you seen Gomer? Where is she? Where is my wife? I can't imagine the emotions he was feeling. Probably shame, maybe. This man of God, righteous man, can't control his wife. His wife, I saw her walk that way. That's not a good part of town. He probably had to ask people, Where's my wife? Have you seen her? Have you seen Gomer? She left. He probably had to go to the unsavory parts of town, walk in the streets and asking everyone, hey man, have you seen Gomer? Man, man might respond, hey man, I didn't know you guys were still together. I'm sorry. I saw her over there. He keeps walking around. Where's my wife? This isn't in the text, but it's easy to imagine. The picture is not fun. It's probably horrible. Imagine Hosea. Is he hopeful? Is he hopeless? Is he excited? Is he frantically searching the streets to reclaim his love? I don't know. 
But we do know that he finds her. We know that he finds her naked on an auction block, being sold off as property to the highest bidder. He finds her. And I imagine Hosea runs over and yells, That's my wife. I'll give you whatever I have. I got to get her back. Amidst the shame, amidst the rejection, he's obedient and loves his wife. And he says, I'll give you whatever I have. So he takes her home. Uh, Verse 2, he says, So I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and about a homer and a lethic of barley. Then they, they go home and they renew their vows. He recommits his vows with her. And he says, Then I told her, You are to live with me many days, and you must not be a prostitute or be intimate with any man, and I will behave the same toward you. This is their wedding vows. They're recommitting. And I imagine that she did not keep these vows. The nation of Israel doesn't keep their vows. Continually reject the Lord and worship other things. So the story of Hosea is, it's fun, it's, it's an interesting concept, but it's not just an interesting historical nonfiction allegory. And it also, it also parallels our relationship with the Lord. In case it wasn't clear, in this story, we, the church, are Gomer. We are the unfaithful one. We are the ones who put our trust in other things, who worship other things, success, money, comfort, control, power. We constantly look for these things in anything other than God. Constantly accepting the love one minute, enjoying the good life with the Lord, and then forgetting, and then walking away and saying, oh, I don't know, I know what's best, I know. I'll do it myself. I'll power up myself and do it. I don't, need, I don't need the Lord. I can do it by myself. And we put our trust in these other things and our affections to these other things. And he says, no. Before we knew Christ, we were living in sin. We didn't know right from wrong, right? In Romans 5, verses 7 and 8, it says, Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. Though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is where the relationship begins. While we were still sinners. And this is where, this is where Gomer is still a prostitute. And Hosea says, while you're still a prostitute, I'm going to come out and marry you. I want to be with you. Christ died for us. He wants relationship with us. So our lives as as believers, if you're a believer in the church, before we knew Christ, we were in sin. We accept him. We say, Jesus, you're my Lord and Savior. You're the best thing in life. I want to be with you forever. He shows us the good life. Peace, hope, love, provision, olive oil, new wineskins, right? Joy, abundance, delight, and unity. And it's good. He shows us what life in him is like. Life in the spirit. It's so good. 
And then the time may pass, and the old ways of the flesh can come back so quickly. You may think, life was better before this, or I think I know better, or maybe this isn't enough. I need a little more. I feel out of control. I need to, get, I need to grab some control. I know what's better for me. And sometimes we try and do life or even portions of life without him. We place our affections in other things, our trust in other things. We have power and control mechanisms that, that look away from God. Inappropriate relationships, cheating, lying, addiction to success and power, greed and trusting in money or pornography. It's a power mechanism. It's trying to get control. We have chemical dependencies that put our trust and our hope in things other than the Lord God. Drugs, alcohol, pornography, again, trying to numb anything. Comfort measures. We can say, I do what I want to do. We can just try and dope out or just live in for me. Just got to live for myself, focused only on what I want, what I need. And this is not what the life in Christ is supposed to be like. This is turning away from God. This is choosing anything other than him. He desires our soul-focused affections and attention in our relationship with him, just like a relationship between a husband and a wife. My affections are for you and yours are for me. And while we do that, right, we, we grieve the Lord. We push him away. We reject him, and, and he's grieved. But just like we read in Hosea 2, that beautiful poetry of the heart of God, he says, I will lead her in the wilderness and stir, stir her heart toward me again. Her is us, even if you're a guy. But his, his anger doesn't last long, right? His heart is stirred with compassion and empathy and affection and chases us down. Even when we reject him. Even when we reject him, he says, no, 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 I want you. You are mine. I paid a price for you. In, in the economy and commerce, right, the value of an object is what someone is willing to pay for it. Uh, this idea can also just be put onto Christ and what he did. So the value of us, then, is what God is willing to pay for us, which is Christ. So Christ paid with his life to be with us, and he said it was worth every penny. And when we when we pick this life without him, we say we know what's better, we know what's right. We're going to choose to find our satisfaction in other things. His response is, no, 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 I'm not trying to rip you off. I'm not trying to ruin your life. I'm not trying to force you to live a boring, unfulfilled life. I want you to live the best life, and I know how. He says, I know the key to life, the true water. I have come that you may have life in the fullest life. This is what he wants with us. He wants a beautiful, loving relationship with us. If you guys are interested in starting a relationship with Jesus, if you don't have one, we would love to talk with you. That's why we're here. Uh, you can talk with your small group leader or staff or just anyone around. That's, that's why we're here. It's the most amazing thing. So... How then shall we live? Looking at the story of Hosea and his wife Gomer, which parallels God and the Israelites, God and the church, how then shall we live?
First thing, what are the things that we need to leave behind to cling to Jesus? What patterns, habits, insecurities are stealing your affections and trust away from him? Things that are are tempting to pull your focus off of him. He desires all of us. He he wants it. What are these things? Maybe write them down. Maybe tell someone, your best friend, your mentor, whatever it may be. What are these things? I know for me recently, I'm I'm usually not an anxious guy. I'm usually really not. Uh, I've been feeling anxious randomly. And instead of trying to put my hope and trust in him that that things are going to be okay, it's been really easy to just try and numb any concern. I'm just going to check out. I'm just going to turn on the TV and let my mind go blank so I don't have to worry about anything. Not trusting Jesus. I don't need to trust in Jesus. I'm going to figure it out on my own. I'm, I'm just going to play video games. I, can't really, I don't really want to think about this right now. It's a little too hard. I'd rather not. I'm not going to trust the Lord that he's going to take care of me. I'll, I'll figure it out myself. Whatever. Not trusting God. Not, not putting our faith in him. Putting our faith in ourselves and other things. That's one. Number two. Reasonable next step. Accept his forgiveness and repent from these ways. Leave, leave these things for a better life that's only found in a relationship with the living God. He wants to be with us more than we want to be with him. By far. That's the good news. Leave these things. We want to trust God. We want to give our lives to him. We want to give our, him our soul affections and devotion. We cannot serve two masters. Leave these things for him. Accept his love and forgiveness. Yes, Jesus, I'm sorry. You're right. Your ways are better. I want to trust you with my life. I want you to be the recipient of my soul, affection, and devotion. I want you to have my life. And the last step comes from 1 John 4, 11, which says, Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Really easy. He who has been loved much loves much. We have to love one another. What does this look like? How do we do this? Love others since Christ loved us. Those who are hard to love, those who have wronged us, those who continually reject us and hurt us. Maybe they see things differently than us. Maybe, maybe they're one of our best friends and they keep keep hurting you, and it's hard. Forgive. Forgive. Love. Since we have been forgiven much, Christ has loved much. Forgive much. Let me pray, and the band will come up. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this story of Hosea in this beautiful, insightful look at your heart and how you desire your people. You desire relationship and intimacy with us. You desire our affections and our trust. 
We desire our whole self in this beautiful marriage. Jesus, would you, would you help us to, to throw off everything that's distracting us and pulling us away from you? These things that, that cling so closely, that are, are grabbing for our attention and our affection and our worship, Jesus, that we would th- just throw them away, discard them. They're not worth it. They're not true. Would you point us back to you, Jesus? You're the only one that loves us forever. You're the only one who's got true life. Would your love for us become so real? Your desire for us become undeniable, Jesus. And that we would accept this gift, this, this promise, this, this pursuit and affection from you, Jesus, and say, yes, yes. You love me, I'll love you. We love since you first loved us, Jesus. And you took the initiation step in loving us and giving yourself on the cross, just like Romans 5.8. Jesus, we love you so much and we want to be more like you. Amen.